0: COVID-19, better known as coronavirus, has spread throughout the world. Information about children with this disease is limited, but they are known to have had mild symptoms. Many organizations are responding accordingly, depending upon their area. It's best to stay home and away from others, especially when sick, and continue following healthy hand wash guidelines, covering mouth and nose and not touching your face or high-touch surfaces. Clean and disinfect high-touch surfaces regularly, and for more information, please visit cdc.gov forward slash COVID-19. Thank you. The numbers all go to 11. Look, right
1: across the board. Oh. 11, oh, 11, 11. And most of the amps
0: go up to 10. Exactly. Does that mean it's louder? Is it any louder? Well, it's one louder, isn't it? Why don't you just make 10 louder and make 10 be the top number and make that a little louder? These go to 11. Hello world, this is Chris Abalo's podcast experiment and I am... Chris Abalo, welcome to the show. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for giving the show five stars on the podcast platform of your choice. I very much appreciate it. Not really going to do a monologue for this episode because what am I going to say? We're still in the same situation as we have been for a couple of weeks, and there's not a whole lot of good to say, but something good has come out of it in that I was finally able to nail down one of the guests I've been hoping to get on since I started doing the show in 2013. He's the guitarist for Trombone Shorty and Orleans Avenue. Please welcome my cousin, Pete Morano. How's it going, Pete? Going pretty well, Chris. How you doing? Good. Um, I got to say, I'm not just blowing smoke. Like literally, when I started doing the show out in in California seven years ago, I did have a little like my thought was, all right, well, let me interview other people working at you know his various levels of show business, anybody who was within my reach, and uh, I did. I said, you know what? He's going to be coming through California at some point. I'll totally be able to. You know, hopefully sit down and talk to him and see what it's like just being a a touring and recording musician. It'll be great. And every time I saw you, it was literally just a little bit of time after seeing the show. And then that was kind of it. So unfortunately it never actually got to happen, but
1: (laughs) it's uh, it's fast paced out there.
0: It is. Yeah. And just, you were just on the road the next day onto Santa Barbara, San Diego or whatever, you know, just the wheels keep turning on the tour bus. So
1: the, with the wheel, the wheels keep turning and I feel like they turn they turn faster in places like Los Angeles and New York. Oh yeah, and if you yeah, you play the uh, play the show, do the thing afterwards, and sometimes it's on the road the next day. More often than not, it's on the road that very night. It's the nature of the
0: beast. Yeah, and it's funny too. Like so, some people I've talked to just casually in in conversation who have gone through the big cities just say because there's so many industry people in New York and Los Angeles or even like Nashville that. There's not as much time to just hang. You're you're kind of yeah, surrounded that's,
1: by. That's the thing. That's the thing too. Yeah. There's extra. There's extra stuff in in those kinds of places. That's
0: yeah. It. Yeah. There's there's more people looking for a piece of you and in I mean, your time.
1: That's, that's a good. That's a good thing too. It's all part of uh, business. It's all part of building the thing. But yeah, some of the drawbacks is uh, a lot of times there's not as much time to say, "Hey, let's go do whatever."
0: Yeah, we never had a chance to just go grab some tacos and just, you know, BS. So you're down in New Orleans. And, uh, so how is everything down there? What's going on with the area? How's everybody seem to be handling it?
1: Everybody is handling it the best they can. A lot of uncertainty. Most people are doing their best to stay home, which is a good thing. Uh, as you know, we're, we're kind of in a hot spot here. With the number of
0: cases
1: and things like that, and you start, too, actually. Oh, oh boy,
0: we are. Yeah, we're <laughs> New Jersey's still yeah. number two with uh, with infections, but yeah, there's a lot of other areas in the in the middle of the country where it's starting to pop up, particularly in in cities, in places like New Orleans and St. Louis. Right. And it's, it's spreading around, even with everybody staying home. It's managing to to get to people. So that's
1: yeah, and I it, it's it's definitely it's getting to people, and people are also making the best of it. I think there's there's good days and there's bad days, but beyond that, there's also good moments and bad moments within a day.
0: Oh, for That's sure. certainly
1: been my experience anyway.
0: No, you're right. There, there are days where I'm frustrated and thinking, man, I can't drive the hour and go see my parents. And, you know, my right. sister's still out in California, and, you know, I hope she's... I mean, I still talk to everybody all the time, but there's still that, I can't go see them, and I would really want to, and I'd like to have that part of my normal routine still be part of my week or part of my month since it's been a month now and yeah it's it's very strange to not have that and have to adapt i get it yeah there's there have been days that have been harder there's some nights that have been a little you know where i'm lying in bed thinking how much longer is this going to go on how's it going to be after this so yeah there's totally a lot of uncertainty hanging around in the air even still yeah i just hope that every day nobody, nobody knows right Right. We're just all kind of in the same limbo. My only hope has been... Nobody knows. Every mm-hmm. Every day, I just hope we're closer to some cure, to testing, which will at least let us know if people who had it can catch it. That's kind of what I was uh, reading yeah. this week, that there are a lot of tests where they, they want to weed out people who have gotten it to make sure that they can't get it again and that they're no longer contagious, so at least at least those people can get back to work, get back out and kind of integrate society into what's more like normal and great. If we're getting closer to that, that's a hope because at least the people who can go out and can't catch it again and can't spread it. Hey, you know, that's, that's a big win considering how many people have had it and recovered. Thankfully. Yeah, it is. It's, it's just a big question. Yeah, Mark.
1: It's it's a big, it's a big question and it's very uncertain. No one's really experienced anything like this. And so With all that in mind, I also just try to look at the good side of things and just think, well, I do have a lot to be grateful for in spite of all this. You know, I have my moments where I'm thinking, oh, my God, what are we going to do? And then I have other moments where I'm like, you know what, I like being home. I like working on this or cooking that. These are good things.
0: Yeah, because you spend a lot of time on the road, so this has got to be – Strange for you to have a month and then no plans on the calendar anytime soon, which yeah, has yeah. a huge negative. I've been,
1: I've been home. I've been home this much in years. Yeah, and it's, it's in some ways that's kind of nice. I, I love. I love my home. I have a good home. I'm happy at home, so that's good.
0: Yeah, it's it's about time you spend you know, a little dude, bit of time hanging.
1: <laughs> right, so, <laughs> but yeah, accentuate the positive, as they say.
0: Yeah, in your case, you're you're in uh, a unique position compared to the rest of us. I mean, in as much as Yeah, you're generally on the road. You're generally touring. And that's something that's just stopped. It has reached to a halt. Yeah, with with no idea. I mean, all there is is speculation at this point as to when anything's going to get back. I'm seeing some things about, you know, maybe normal life in September. But as far as gathering in large places, you know, clubs Mm -hmm. or theaters or things like that, you know, getting a lot of people together in one confined space. It might not happen for the rest of the year. And it's, we really it's don't true.
1: know. Just today. Today, in fact, the New Orleans Jazz and Heritage Festival, that usually happens the last weekend of April, the first weekend of May. So that would have been not this coming weekend, but next weekend and the weekend after that would have been Jazz Fest. And they tentatively rescheduled for October. And today, actually, they came out and said, you know what? It's not going to happen, ladies and gentlemen. We'll see you in 2021. Yeah, it's scary. And no one, I don't know if anybody was necessarily surprised by this announcement, but it was still kind of a punch in the gut. It was kind of a reality check. But I'll tell you what, I do applaud them for making the tough decision without being told what to do either. And I'm sure it wasn't an easy choice for the guys involved. And hats off to them for making the tough call.
0: Yeah, it's, and that's a normal part of what everybody wants to do. Everybody wants to go out on Wednesday, just the other day. My girlfriend and I would have gone, mm-hmm. you know, if things were normal, we would have seen Elton John because that was my big oh, Christmas man. gift to her. Yeah, that was, t- you know, tickets to see him. It's a farewell tour. And I said, well, we've never seen him. He's one of her favorites. I definitely want to make this happen because he's going to be retiring from touring. All right, let's do it. And now oh, that's, man. he's, he's incredible.
1: We, we played before him once. Really? We played we played before him at a festival in oh man I think it was in Switzerland. Oh wow. And it was it was incredible. Oh, without and a doubt. He just came out, He just came out there and crushed it. He's also one of those acts where you don't have to be a huge Elton John fan to sit there and appreciate the show and you also don't have to be a huge Elton John fan to sit there and listen to Song after song after song, and you're just sitting there going, "Oh yeah, this one. Oh yeah, this one. Oh right. yeah, this one." This is serious body work.
0: You do. You know 15 Elton John songs right off the bat, easily. Yeah,
1: whether you like it or whether you like it or not, it's almost it almost doesn't even matter. Like,
0: <laughs> you still know the tunes. Well, that's it. Like we saw Billy Joel back in November, and it was the same thing. He was playing mm-hmm. hits. He wasn't same really thing. playing album track. Yeah, and it's like everybody knows basically every song he's gonna play he knows is what people want to hear and that's okay so if you right. are a casual fan you can go to the show and walk away saying hey that was great <laughs> I knew every song right yeah I mean that's that's on hold indefinitely I think um I think Coachella was supposed to be this weekend or next weekend something like that all the you know the that the, sounds about right. I don't I don't know the exact dates but that sounds about right I don't know either I know it's in April and I know it's uh-huh a, Trust fund slumber party. Other than that, I don't. I don't really pay attention to it. Uh, six years ago today, we I was. We played it
1: once. We played it once. <laughs> Did you really? Wow. It been five six years ago. Oh man, maybe it was two thousand fourteen. I remember it because we got in. We got in the day before we played, and the day we got in, Queens of the Stone Age was headlining, and I went and saw that. And they, I mean, I'm a huge Queens of the Stone Age fan, so that was cool. And I think they just put out. They were touring on, like, Clockwork, which mm. I think was two records ago for them. So that that had just come out. So I want to say it was probably 2014-ish.
0: Mm. But, yeah,
1: that was, the, that was the highlight of Coachella for me.
0: <laughs> well, and playing it must have been pretty sweet, too, because it's about, what a mixed bag. I mean, that's the one thing <laughs> right. I can say.
1: Excuse me, excuse me. Playing Coachella was the highlight of Coachella for me. <laughs> 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 that's hilarious.
0: That's that's rarefied. Well, depending, the further you get down the list of who's on during the day, I'm thinking I haven't heard of forty of these acts, but at the same time, I recognize I'm a I'm a dude in my 30s who may not be up with uh, whoever right. is is playing, and that's okay. Yeah, we
1: played we we played pretty early, but it was rocking, and it was definitely a good gig in both. Because I don't know how they do it now. I think it's the same way, but it, it's the same lineup both weekends. So you play one weekend, then you go back and play the next weekend.
0: Oh, so you actually did it twice in 2014
1: did Yeah, same, exactly. So same two sets, same fest, which is kind of cool.
0: That is pretty cool. Uh, well, and actually we're going to get into, cause you've done, I mean, look, we just touched on Coachella and Elton John and we're just kind of getting started. Definitely want to talk about some of the, <laughs> some, of, some of the shows you played and acts you've played with and, and people you've met over time. But just to give everybody kind of a fuller picture. Of everything, so you grew up in New Jersey, then ended up moving to St. Louis. I think it was right around maybe like middle school, maybe junior high-ish was. I think when you when it you was, moved out, it
1: was. I was in the I was in the middle of the sixth grade. That's it,
0: yeah, yeah. Because you're you're two years younger than me, so I kind of remember it was. I think you were just going to be starting like seventh grade because I think I was just start mm-hmm. would have just been starting high school. Um,
1: yeah, we got uh, we got out there. It was uh, the school year was still happening, so I caught the tail end of sixth grade in St. Louis, and then, yeah, then seventh grade was the first year I was there from the beginning of the school year.
0: And then it was right after high school, then you went to college in New Orleans, was that it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I left uh, I left home, I came to New Orleans, and
1: I just fell in love with the place.
0: And you've been there ever since. And that's it, everybody. This I've is been Pete been Moreno. Ever and... ever <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the... Well, we're done. Shortest show that's yet. The, that's the... Yeah, that's the, that's the concise
1: version anyway.
0: <laughs> and then so at what point was it in school or was it when you already graduated? Cause you, I'm sure while going to school, you were gigging around. Were you in any bands full on or were you just jamming and, and kind of getting in with whatever people were around you?
1: Both, both, both. I had a couple groups under various names that I played with and also just doing whatever kind of freelance stuff I could do. And really, a lot of hanging around. I did a lot of hanging around at places on the scene where I would go see guys way more experienced than me play. I would just be there. I would be there every Sunday night or I'd be there every Wednesday or whatever night it was to the thing. And then, you know, sometimes maybe somebody can't make one, and you go sub a gig. Or sometimes you get to sit in. Other times you just hang out. And learn from all three of those kinds of experiences. And all that and everything in between I learned from. And so it was cool. There was a place that is no longer there called the uh, Funky Butt that I played at a lot. And I would play there every Saturday night and later on every Monday night too. And it would be an early set. I'd play at 7.30 or so and then they would have the main act which varied based on the weekend would play that night, and there were all kinds of people that would come through there and play. It could be Astral Project one weekend, but it could be Big Chief Bo Dallas the next weekend, or it could be it was Clarence Gate Mount Brown one time. Wow! Yeah, wide variety of music. And like I said, I would go, I would play the gig, and then I would always hang around and watch whoever was there and just soaking it in, man.
0: Man, ingratiating yourself with the scene too, especially since. I, I take it it didn't take long to. F- granted, I've never been. That's one of the things that unfortunately has been put on hold. We were talking about going out in the fall, uh finally going down and seeing New Orleans. But you fell in love with it right away and pretty much knew <laughs> you were going to be hanging around. So what better way than <laughs> right get right. into the and scene?
1: This, you know, I have I have a lot of perspective on it now because it's man, fifteen almost twenty years later. The the scene, these scenes change. Things change over time, and the way the music scene was right before Hurricane Katrina. Was one scene, and then there was another version of that right after Katrina, and then it's it's evolved a couple times from there.
0: Uh, evolving in as much as the type of music that's people are playing out in the clubs, or evolving in just it it can be transient, and people are kind of moving into the city, and others are moving out. Like, how do you mean it, it's? Both, how do you feel both. it evolved?
1: Both, I would say both. There's definitely. Well, first of all, there's just more people in town now, physically, than there was right after Katrina. But also, yes, the music evolves too. People's tastes evolve, and the way the the type of people that go and want to spend their Saturday night in a particular place, you know, the bit that business is going to cater to what those people might want to hear. Maybe that's not the same thing it was 20 years ago, 10 years ago, whatever. And this is sort of a concept that I remember first coming on the scene. I would talk to older guys, and they would have a similar story. They'd be like, "Oh man, well, you know, in the '80s it was crazy because we'd be doing this, that, and that in this joint, but that place isn't there no more." Or they would say, "Oh, in the '60s, you, you go to you go to Bourbon Street and play in the strip club and get paid cash right then and there." And you know, they don't have live music in strip clubs anymore. It's just one example. But it evolves. It evolves. That's just the nature of things.
0: Right. It's funny to see how the it even changed here in the shore. Because, like when I was coming up, I started playing guitar and playing in bands when I was 16. And the places I wanted to play didn't exist a couple of years later when, you know, a few bands later and after high school and everything and into my 20s, it was, okay, Birch Hill is closed. Club Binet is closed. For a while, the Stone Pony was closed and was just a regular dopey, dopey dance club. and it was, oh, all of a sudden, these places are just gone. And it was Correct. weird to think, are people not going to see live music anymore? Are there not as many bands? Because it's, it was weird, too, on the to segue slightly, like on the Jersey Shore, it was strange to see all the bands that were drawing huge crowds were cover bands that were playing the bars along the shore during the yeah, that's
1: summer. A, that's, a big, that's a big thing. That's what uh, I mean, Bourbon Street is very much like that now. There's a lot of cover bands down there, and Frenchman Street is sort of another hub for music in the city that has changed a lot. And it's, man, it, it's one of those things where before somewhere is very well-known, that's where everyone hangs out, and it's one thing. And then everybody goes and tells their friends, oh, don't go there, you got to come here, this is the real place to hang. And then, after a certain amount of time, the snowball effect is just so big that it's one starts to resemble the other.
0: <laughs> eventually everybody's Imagine trying to I, play the same music. Yeah. Eventually yeah. Eventually, uh, eventually you're
1: gonna have in a in a tourist based economy, eventually you're gonna have tourists wanting to hear some songs they know. And that's just that.
0: Yeah. No, it's true. That's that's the way it is down here every summer. It's they can go and, you know, in the early two thousands it was everybody would want to hear you know the the alien ant farm version of smooth criminal and you know all the small oh, yeah. things and you know st- songs that they that were <laughs> that getting played on the excellent reference yeah pretty fly for a white guy like that was it so then anybody I was coming wow. across wanted to play in cover bands and for me who was writing music and you know threw in a few covers but they're mostly like 80s power pop songs like just what I needed and Jesse's Girl you know we weren't doing uh stuff that was currently being played on the radio. So it was harder to get people interested or even like Lincoln park. I mean, it was just, everybody wanted to play songs that were, that they heard on the radio. So it was really weird for me to right. just think, so that's it. That's kind of all we're doing. And there were some bands on here making some, some big money. There's a few that, that spring to mind who I uh, cross paths with who were definitely making like a couple grand a weekend just playing cover songs. And I thought, wow, that's crazy. But that, never interested me and you know to my detriment <laughs> I think because if I'd just been exactly. more willing to play for the sake of playing that would have probably done me better than maybe being a little more specific dare I say close minded as I flog my you know early 20s self um, here on the show but it yeah I kind of was close minded in that like well I don't want to play covers I don't want to play top 40 songs or anything like that I kind of want to do my own thing and then obviously that's it was a little harder to get traction based on all that
1: Yeah, that's, that's a thing, but maybe, maybe had you gone that route, maybe you wouldn't have been happy doing it. Who knows?
0: Well, that's true. That's true. I don't, I only know of one band from that scene who's still doing it now. Who I still will see gig alerts for, or when we used to go to venues in, you know, (laughs) early March and before. Then yeah, I would see that there's this one. Yeah. (laughs) It seems like so long ago, man. It does. I was scrolling through photos actually earlier. I was just looking for something and I saw a photo. I thought, wow, how long ago was I there? March 10th. It was five weeks ago. I was outside of this place and took a picture and I thought, oh man, it feels like a lot longer than (laughs) than it's been. It does. Yeah. It's weird to just have to stay still. Um, so at what point did you hook up with Troy, aka Trombone Shorty? Did that happen just because you were both in the scene?
1: Yeah, yeah, we were both in the scene and a mutual friend introduced us. It started as, uh, you know, hey, uh, you wanna, you wanna come play a gig at this place? Yeah, sure. And play the gig. The gig goes well, then, oh, uh, I got two more gigs. <laughs> Actually, one time, speaking of the funky I was playing in there, uh, doing an early set and it was the middle of the summer. And the summer is real. Summer's real dead in New Orleans. It's kinda it, it's brutally hot and it's just not as uh lively as say September, October through April, May. But I remember I'm playing in there and it was it was me, the guys I was playing with, the bartender who I think is reading the book. And <laughs> and he came and he came in, he came in and listened for a little while. And, uh, and then we talked in the back and he was like, all right, you want to come play this thing? I was like, "Sweet, <laughs> let's do it. But anyway, one gig turned into two gigs, turned into four or five gigs. And then it was, all right, well, look, you want to be in a band, be in a band. And then we're going to get serious. We're going to be serious and you know, take this thing on the road eventually. And I was all for it. And it was cool because I think there was, uh, there was definitely some chemistry there. Cause what he and the other guys had, I mean these were just some straight up New Orleans guys that just knew all the, knew all the stuff that you can't teach. And I just wanted to be part of that. I was coming from the rock world more than I was coming from say the jazz world or the funk world. And it was cool because he dug that and it was just kind of a nice, combining forces, I think. And it was cool. And it was not something that was necessarily, okay, let's do this. It was. It happened. It happened. You bring this to the table. I'll bring this to the table. So-and-so bring this to the table. So-and-so bring that to the table. Here's what it is. What it is is cool. So let's just pursue that. It's a beautiful thing.
0: Oh, totally. And that's what's interesting about being in a band. And that was the, the fun, you know, when I was doing it, was you get all these different people together, and it's like a recipe. If you put these four ingredients or people together, you're going to get this result. If you change one of them out and bring in something or a person who has a different flavor or style that they're used to playing, now it sounds more like this. And it was really...
1: It is like a a recipe. Yeah, It is like a recipe, in that you're adding different flavors, and that might change what you get. It's also like a recipe, and sometimes you...
0: It leaves Sometimes a bad taste you in your mouth.
1: <laughs> you just throw in whatever, and you don't know what's going to happen. Right, and but what happens is good.
0: Yeah, it's funny. It's a, and at the same time, those are the things that make being in. I mean, you know, with you having been through, you know, playing with different people and in different bands, it's one of the reasons that's also difficult to make it work. Is that combination of people who all bring in their various stuff, you know, varying degrees of commitment. Uh, yeah, yeah, or, you get the <laughs> or right, Yes, yeah.
1: you get you get the other. uh you get the whole thing. It's not just. It's not. It's not as simple as someone just bringing in some keyboard skills in real life. It's, you're getting that person.
0: <laughs> yeah, you're getting the, the good, ego, the
1: good, the bad, and the ugly. And and that's a uh, that's that's a beautiful thing. At sometimes it can be a very tense thing. And again, it, it changes, man. It changes. It's sort of like it's relationships.
0: Yeah, and and group dynamics. It's re- it's anything. Re- yeah anything, with with any group of people, it's going to be hard. And that's why bands are hard. It really is. Even when ben, bands get to a certain yeah. level, they still just can't make it work. I mean, it's been however many years and Van Halen still can't make it work in any formation. <laughs> so that happens. It doesn't really, you know, those levels of success and things like that don't make up for everything like else.
1: It. Man, there was, there, yes, I, there, I've had several points in my life where I've Witness some stuff involving bands that are way, way bigger than anywhere I've ever been, and a recurring theme that I've noticed is just like, oh wow, it never ends, does it? Yeah. You and- uh, know, I was just to give to give me. that one time, I was at a, uh, I was at a festival. It was here in New Orleans. This is a this is a long time ago, and I was playing that day, and I was trying to get my Guess their wristbands. And so, of course, there's a problem with it. So, we're out at the gate. I'm arguing with the guy. I'm trying to, I'm trying to get Amanda, her credentials, or whoever we had with us. I can't even remember. But what I do remember is, there's this guy next to me. And he's, he's getting excited. I mean, he's easy on it to take a guy. And he's saying, you know who's headlining tonight? Flaming lips. Right. Okay. Here's my pass. I'm the Flaming Lips tour manager. You know who the lead singer of the Flaming Lips is. And he's like, yeah, Wayne Coyne. He's like, this is Mrs. Coyne. She <laughs> is on the list. You will give her the credential that she needs to go anywhere in this festival. I'm like, okay, okay, sorry. And I'm just sitting there thinking, wow, you could be in the Flaming Lips, and the guest list is still a thing. Oh my god. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. like this, this never ends.
0: <laughs> yeah, there's still some dude who's like, "No, you don't understand. It's I'm I'm supposed to be here. Here's my ID. Here's my credential, or whatever, and you just can't. You know, you. It's funny yeah, it's you, you still, hear those it's, stories. It's, you
1: know, and they. I'm sure you know they gave they gave her the stuff. I got what I needed. Everything was cool. Like, the point is, you still got to go through the whole rigmarole.
0: Yeah, at any level. And it was
1: kinda, yeah, at any level. You know, because I'm I'm playing on the side stage at noon, going through this, and then here's the you know. They're headlines. They're doing the shit Bank. Still a thing. It's is a thing. What can I say? <laughs> well,
0: it gives a perspective. At least it's like, well, I could aspire to be at that level, but I'm still going to have this this type of problem.
1: It's cool though because it's it, it makes me realize, man, like maybe it's not even a bad thing. It
0: just it just is what it is. Yeah. It's like and, it's like going uh, to the DMV. It's just something maybe, you have maybe, to do.
1: Well, maybe I don't get so pissed off when something like that. <laughs>
0: Yeah, you're right. Because if, okay, I know this is gonna happen and you could also kinda prepare for it. Like, look, we gotta make sure exactly, people yes, can get exactly. in. Exactly. So at yeah. what point did you guys like what year did you start finally touring and branching out beyond just the local scene? Did you already have a record to support or were you just hitting the road and just slugging it out?
1: We were we were hitting the road and slugging it out, my friend. We started right after uh, it wasn't that long after Katrina. I would say there was one gig This was not really touring, but there was a, we went and did a couple gigs while everyone was displaced in September of 2005. And I remember that was the first time, that was the first time I got on an airplane to go play a gig somewhere. And I remember that feeling. I remember being like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm doing this. And now I've, you know. Now I've been on so many planes, and I'm like, oh my god, I hate flying. But,
0: <laughs> I'm sick. But of I planes. do,
1: and I do remember that feeling. And now, now that I can't fly to a gig, even if I wanted to, it makes me think about that.
0: Yeah. Now you're wistful and thinking, oh man, it'd be nice to get on a plane and go to yeah. a festival. <laughs> yeah. And, it's
1: tr- well, it's. I'll tell you what, it's. I like being home. I love being home, and that's a good. That's a good thing. But I'll tell you what, this has definitely made me think about how i really have gone all over the world doing this and one thing i can say chris is that i feel like i have made the best out of pretty much everywhere i've gone and if i go to a place i'm gonna dive in head first that's the type of person i am with this stuff and uh, a friend of mine and i we were talking about this the other day and he says to me he says you know i'm glad uh I'm glad we made the most out of it when we were in Paris that one time. We went to the restaurant. We only had an hour, but we went, and we did this, we did that. We Really, and we were tired, but we still did it. You realize French people can't even do that right now? And that made me think, whoa, you're right.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I look at it just across the Hudson where we are and think, man, these people live in Manhattan. They're in the capital of the world, and they can't do anything with it. They may as well be anywhere yeah. else. They, they can that's live anywhere crazy. else and yeah, that's, it. that's Yeah nuts. Yeah. They're they're in the the biggest and best city in the world. Well, not the biggest city in the world, but you know, the most popular is what I mean by biggest. And I mean it's, it's, it's shut down.
1: It's, yeah, the uh the <laughs> I was on a flight one time and the flight attendant is like you guys are banned, yeah, where are you from? New Orleans. Where are you from? He goes, center of the universe. <laughs> like, what? He's like New York. <laughs> He's not wrong. <laughs> and and we were kinda sitting there like, right, of course.
0: Yeah, that's what I would say too. Yeah, that's right. So at what point did you guys move up to international act? What was, what was the change from, because obviously huge difference between touring the US and touring other parts of the world. How did that come about? Was that a, a slot that was offered for a festival or was it opening a tour for somebody?
1: We first started going to Europe on the festival scene, which was cool because with the, yeah, you know, with with Troy being the horn player that he is it's kind of a horn based act and you throw the new orleans thing behind that we were able to get our foot in the door in places like Montreux Jazz Festival and North Sea Jazz Festival and places like that so we would we would go over there on the festival scene to the whatever Jazz Fest and then just do our thing now the set would not change. We would still go and rock out and make it a party and just do what we do. And the people over there responded to it. And so that led to, hey, come back. Okay, now let's go on tour. And it started, at first it started, as far as tour touring go, goes, not festivals, clubs and stuff. For whatever reason, it caught on in Germany and we started doing a lot of club shows over there. And, it was it was a cool experience. It was also just grueling. I mean, we would go over there and drive around. We'd be on the autobahn all day. I mean, we'd be we'd be in a sprinter van from you know five, six, seven hours, and then you know it's getting dark at three o'clock, and then we go play a show, pack this stuff up, and do it again the next. You know, you do that for. I feel like I didn't see daylight. Unless I was in a van, for like a <laughs> through a van window, yeah. And so, sometimes doing that, you know, it's a, it's a grind. You know, it's not easy. But then there's other times where you'd be in these, you'd be in these rock clubs in Germany, looking at the posters on the wall of everybody who's played there, and you see people that you listen to, you know, as a teenager, or even in the van on the way here, and that would kind of make me think like, Oh wow, like this is it. This this is what you this is what you do to get to the next thing. It started catching on in France too. And we would start doing more club shows over there and the club shows turned to theater shows. Yeah, we were very fortunate, you know, it just kinda of spread. I've been over there more times than I can count and it's uh it's cool, you know, it was uh it took a lot of work to get it to the point where it got, but um definitely worth it.
0: What was the one moment It could be a show, it could be at a point when you ended up playing a certain festival to a certain crowd, or opening for somebody, whatever. What was the point when you thought, ah, this, this is the moment, this is what, exactly what I was hoping for, you know, when I picked up the guitar, what felt like a hundred years ago?
1: Oh man, that feeling, I've had little feelings of that feeling at many points along the way. The one that really drove it home was a few years ago. We we went on tour opening for the Red Hot Chili Peppers. I uh, was first of all I was a huge Chili Peppers fan, so there's that. And then on this tour we did with them, we went all over the country. We played in we played in New Orleans. We played in Madison Square Garden for the first time.
0: Yeah,
1: a free night. It, I mean, what was cool about that was you know, they're they're selling out arenas. They're playing all the songs that you know and love, but everybody that was on that tour and everybody that worked for them was just the absolute best at what they do. You know, the guy doing the lights was phenomenal at these lights. It was an insane light show. You know, just every, everybody doing everything was just, it was just a well-oiled machine that was like, wow, like it's, and the vibe was good. It was a positive experience from top to bottom. And it was just kind of one of those experiences. We're like, "Whoa! Like this exists."
0: <laughs> yeah, that's a thing people do. There, there are only a few acts who can really do it in tour and sell it out, no less. But yeah, right. that that that's a level that's there, and that, doing that regularly. I mean, that's. I mean, I'm just thinking about it from my perspective. It would have been mind blowing to just play an arena, period. Much less be on a tour where that's what you're doing. You know, three, four nights a week and playing the biggest things, playing at Madison Square Garden. I mean, you guys were at the. At the Staples Center, I think for four nights, you were there. Basically, three nights. it was three, three nights. nights. Okay, yeah, it was all week that it was packed in downtown, and you know the Chili Peppers being you know slightly associated with Los Angeles also made it just yeah, that much totally. of a bigger deal. So I mean that must have been mind blowing too. So just the whole thing, yeah, it's, it was. I, it I can't was.
1: imagine. It was, like, it was oh, oh my god, we're playing the we're we're you know, as as if as if opening for the Chili Peppers is not blowing your mind enough. Here they are doing their hometown show essentially. It's like, come on,
0: man. Huge, <laughs> like, huge hometown shows.
1: You know, the, the 13-year-old guitar player in me was losing his mind, but also the 33-year-old guitar player in me was equally losing his mind. <laughs> <laughs> just,
0: well, just so we're clear. Yeah, rightfully lost. so. It's like, oh, man, it's exciting. Was it, ner- was it nerve-wracking at all, or was it just exciting to do that, to be playing to 10,000 people, 20,000 a night?
1: Mostly, it was mostly exciting. It was most. it was, it, you know, it was so, man, they were so cool. Everyone that worked for them was such a pro that it was, uh, you know, it was, it was exciting. It was exciting every night. I can honestly say that. It well, yeah. was really cool. And, you know, I made, I made friends on that tour that I'm that I still talk to today. It wasn't that long ago, but still.
0: Yeah. And it also helps to be on a tour like that where it is a well oiled machine and where everybody knows what they're doing. And mm-hmm. they're they're also at a point in their career where they're probably not you know, they're not driven by ego. They you know. Right. I mean, and, they, they, I mean
1: they, and there's so much there's so much BS in the music business and there's so much stuff like like we were talking about with like, oh my god, the guest list is always a thing. Oh my god, egos are always gonna be a thing. This is always a thing, that's always a thing. It was doing that was just kind of a glimpse of the top where it was like, oh, my God, this does exist. And I'm just glad that, you know, I'm, I'm glad that everybody who's doing this seems genuinely happy to be doing it. And everybody who paid for a ticket seems genuinely glad to have paid for this ticket.
0: And it was, it was just awesome. Did they pick you guys for that tour?
1: They picked. Wow. Which made it even more so. You know what's funny is I was talking to, um, this is, this is at the Garden, actually, so I'm talking to an agency guy. And I saw this. I saw this dude. I don't know him very well, but I saw him during the show. Just like I shut headway back, just belting out the words to like standing in line to see the show tonight. Just like just <laughs> singing every word just into it. And so I see him after the show, and I was like, man, you had fun. He's like, I had a great time. <laughs> and I was just like, man, it was refreshing for me to like see you know one of one of the business dudes just enjoying himself being so in the music just cutting loose man you know you know and he tells me goes, you know you know how special this is i said i i i know special this this is very special and he goes you know they pick and i said i had a feeling they picked. yeah i i i got that impression he goes let me tell you something hundreds of bands submit for this i personally have submitted hundreds of bands for this but they pick man and they picked two guys. And it was sort of like, it was like I knew, but then I really knew.
0: Yeah, that's when it, and, and yeah, and I at mean, the that garden.
1: makes it, that makes it that much more like, whoa,
0: that's awesome. I mean, again, it's mind blowing to think you're on, there, there must be a part of you and forgive me for seeming a little, uh, maybe naive about it, but there, there has to be the part of you that's just your mind's blown. Like the red hot chili peppers know who we are. And there still has to be that element of like, well, you got to be kidding. Oh no, Absolutely.
1: Absolute demand for every single one of us—that was a thing. You know, going going into it, we were kind of like, "We're we're doing this."
0: Yeah, and it wasn't a one-off; yeah. it was a tour. You're doing a sold-out tour with somebody who's that huge, headlining huge venues. Now, let me ask you this, because I hear this a lot: you hear comedians and people in bands and things like that who who say, "Oh, I don't get paid to do the show." I get paid for the 22 hours I'm traveling and staying in hotels and everything to do that. Do you think that's more what it is and the show is fun or do you think it's, it's the, the grind or what can be the grind of touring that you look at as being the work?
1: I will, I will tell you this, man. That is a popular saying for a reason.
0: Yeah, that's what I figured. You know, playing the, playing the
1: guitar for a couple hours in any capacity is generally a good thing.
0: You know, true. You're
1: right, but um, yeah, it's the other stuff. It's the other stuff that makes it a grind. Also, it's being able to, being able to turn it on, so to speak, despite whatever nonsense you had to go through to get from point A to point B, to still get up there and be like, "Oh no, we're doing this," and it's ta da! (laughs) That's 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 a skill all in itself.
0: Yeah, you got a job to do and you gotta you gotta show up for it regardless of whatever right. was happening. You gotta get on that stage and, and do it. Yeah, it's like
1: nobody you know what I mean. They, hey, somebody paid twenty, thirty, forty, I don't know how many dollars to come to the show. They don't you know.
0: They don't care if uh <laughs> they
1: don't care how bad the airlines abused you that
0: day. <laughs> yeah. Nor should they. They don't care. They just wanna see the show. They're there for that. They're not interested right. in your personal right. <laughs> in your personal frustrations. Or how tired you are or how long ago you right. got to the venue, or whether or not you got a sound check. They just want to see the show. I
1: feel like the comedians uh comedians relate. I've had conversations like this in an airport with a comedian also going from point A to point B, being like, oh, you guys are going to do such and such. Oh, yeah, that's a good gig. I did that once. I'm going to see whatever. And much like music, it's a similar, um you know, there's the club level. There's the theater level. There's the late-night TV shows. There's this. There's that. You know, for for music festivals are a thing. And, you know, some guys get the Netflix specials. You know, other guys are in clubs. Other guys, you know, it takes all it takes all
0: kinds and all levels too. There are plenty of people who make a living and all, playing all clubs. All levels.
1: That's what I'm trying to say. It takes all kinds. Nobody knows what's going to happen, and all, especially now, man, nobody knows what's going to happen.
0: Yeah, seriously. I mean, that's frankly, that's one thing I want to ask too. I mean, you guys like like now, now, now is in today, tonight.
1: More than ever, mm. nobody knows what's going to happen with you know with any kind of performing, no matter what it is you do.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, we don't know if anything's going to be open up. The summer concert season is basically gutted, and you know, hopefully, you know, there are more ambitious predictions that are, I think are for the fall that things are kind of getting back to normal. But I mean, it has there been anything? I mean, it's all speculation right now. That's kind of what it comes down to. It's but,
1: all it's all speculation. I mean, I'll I'll speculate. Go for it. Right here, like, I kind of, I just kind of think the concert thing, especially big concerts, I just feel like that's kind of, kind of be last on the list.
0: Yeah, I I agree. I think we're like Like, a year don't.
1: I don't think it's going to, I don't think we're going to be, I don't think we're going to be looking at a situation where it's like, okay, June 1st, everything goes back to normal, pow, or whatever for January 1st, Steve. I don't know. Right. But I feel like when that stuff kind of comes back, it's going to be, Restaurants are going to open, and then office buildings might open, right. not necessarily
0: in that order. But schools will go back in. there will be those things. Open.
1: Yeah, schools, or this and that. I just feel like cramming 3,000 people into a house of blues is last on that list, pal.
0: Yeah, and, it, <laughs> and frankly, it, it should be. As much as it's needed and as much as I miss it, I am miss going to shows like crazy. But, yeah, that's the ambition is that hopefully it's going to be Most people's jobs, even though your job certainly is playing shows and touring, I mean, that's a big part of your income and a lot of other people's, but opening schools and opening offices and everything, I feel like entertainment is going to be the last thing. Probably movie theaters might be further down the list as well, as far as gathering hundreds of people in a smaller space, as opposed to getting a lot of people back to work. Yeah, I think it's probably those big shows. I'm willing to bet it's we're probably a year away from that, just because... When things open up, it's going to be so incremental, you know. And there's only so many venues too. With everybody who's canceled tours, then there's only yeah. so many places that can hold Elton John's show, just for instance, <laughs> or you know any of these other tours that have been canceled, or any if these summer tours that have been you know rescheduled, these big package tours, you know the Def Leppard Motley Crew tour, there's a Weezer and um, Fallout Boy tour, and I think Blink One Eighty Two is the oh, other band. Oh yeah,
1: with Green Day. Oh Green oh, Day, I'm that's funny. it. it goes- I wanted to go see Weezer or Green Day, man. Yeah, it's like <laughs> I <think> I did.
0: <laughs> those those plugs just might be pulled, and they may not happen until next summer. But anybody who is touring in between, yeah, there's only going to be so many venues that are going to be available to book up. So yeah,
1: and right, and what's that gonna what's that gonna look like? Is your mid level band going to go into those venues and crush it? Because that's a cool idea. Or are you going to get a bigger act? To come into the smaller venue and sell a smaller number of tickets for $200 a pop or something like that. Like, right. What's that going to look like?
0: Yeah, because everybody's got venues included. And who's going to go to those shows? Well, that's it. If we come out of this and we're in a recession, we we don't know. I mean, the, the entertainment industry as a whole tends to be able to weather the storm of recessions, but people definitely go to concerts a lot less and they have a lot less disposable income to spend on tickets.
1: Oh, sure. And then when you take, when you, you know, when you take those, you take that ticket price and you add on the service fee and this fee and that fee and this, I mean, who knows, man? Who knows? Yeah, whatever. exactly.
0: You're adding 30% onto the face value of the ticket and then it's, oh, I can't afford this. I just got back to work. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be weird. It's going to be weird for a long time. Uh, do you still get starstruck? You've met a ton of heroes and you played with a lot of big acts on festivals or on tours. Do you still find yourself getting starstruck or have those moments of, oh, man, I can't believe I'm shaking so-and-so's hand back when we used to do that?
1: <laughs> man, a couple, uh, a couple years ago, we opened up for the Rolling Stones.
0: Yeah, I was going to ask you about uh, that. I'd be remiss if I didn't ask about the Rolling Stones thing.
1: We opened up for the Rolling Stones in Warsaw, Poland a couple of years ago. And the thing the Stones do is about 10 minutes before they go on stage, they take a picture with the opening act. So we, uh, we, their, their person, she comes in and guesses and says, okay, guys, come on, uh, we'll take this picture. So we go and there's a little pipe and drape area. And so they, they put us in this area and they're saying, okay, look, you guys are about to take a picture with the Rolling Stones. She says, are just like that. You're about to take a picture with the Rolling Stones. <laughs> they like to talk. They like to shake hands, like to do all of that stuff. So, you know, we'll come hang out for a minute. Then our photographer is going to take the picture, and then they'll go on stage. Oh, by the way, if we see anybody's cell phone come out, I'll kill you.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and so they're like, "Got it." So anyway, we're sitting in there for uh we're sitting in there for a minute. And he says, "Okay, guys, you want to kind of position yourselves around where the guys are going to stand, and on the ground they got four pieces of paper, right? And on each piece of paper." They got initials of all the band members right in the middle. There's the MJ and the KR. And so I see this and I'm, uh, I'm saying, sure, you see those initials? He says, yeah. I said, look, you need to stand in the middle right between Mick and Keith. Obviously. And he says, yeah. And I was like, but me, I was like, I'm going to stand on the other side because I want to stand next to Keith Richards. And he goes, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> like, alright, so we go and we kind of position ourselves around these pieces of paper, right? And then in come the Rolling Stones. And it was as surreal an experience as you could get. I mean, these guys walk in in, like, full regalia, about to go on stage. They got the clothes on. They got, like, you know, the Keith is like swashbuckling, you know, like the, the, the pirate that he is. And right. Making them like, hey, God, good set, how you doing? And then we're shaking hands and we're talking. And it's genuine talk, too, because we're talking about New Orleans and this and that, and, you know, mutual people we know in the city. And, like, Keith, Keith, Keith Ivan Neville played in Keith's band. And right. We've always kind of considered Ivan Neville an honorary member of our group. And it's sort of a, you know, it's just... You're, so talking, you're talking. You're talking. I mean, they look. The best I can describe it is they it was almost like uh, it was almost like they were like cartoon versions of themselves. It was so surreal. <laughs>
0: it's like that's exactly what I expect Mick Jagger to be. Did he dance over to the to the space where, with his initials? I mean, close.
1: Wow. Close. He. <laughs> I'll say he. Like it's yeah.
0: He kind of. He kind of sauntered over. <laughs> like, <laughs> Well, he's getting in show mode, so he's got to be. You know, he's, oh, he's got to totally, totally, be. I like
1: to think he just walks around like that all day.
0: Well, that's that's my <laughs> hope too. Like I would, I would imagine. Just, I mean, I follow him on Twitter, so when I see the videos of him doing whatever he's shimmying about, right? I'm like, I bet he does that and when so, he's in a room
1: by himself. So remember, re- remember how earlier in our talk here we were we were discussing how certain stuff just keeps going on no matter how big you get. Yes, and so. We're in this really surreal moment, and the photographer is finally like, all right, guys, let's do this. Let's do this. Places, places, everyone. And at the time, Troy and I are talking to Keith Richards, like, in this moment. And we're like, all right, guys, get on the places. Get on the places. And Keith looks down at the ground and sees the MJ on the piece of paper, and he just goes, (laughs) and stands right on top of the thing. (laughs) <laughs> like, and it went from incredibly surreal to very, very real. Mm. <laughs> right yeah, there, like, I was like Oh, it's all true. Oh my god. Like Keith Richard just looked down at Mick Jagger's initials, growled, and then stood on top of them. <laughs> <laughs> this shit
0: never ends. Yeah. <laughs> but matter. see there's a there's an example of it a doesn't band. No matter how
1: big you get, like there's <laughs> right. like that. The that that tension or whatever the thing is, the give and the take, it all and all the, it was also kind of a, it also kind of made me think it's all true, all the folklore, oh all yeah. the stories you've heard about these two, Oh right? yeah, all the all Every the shit talking he did, true. <laughs>
0: all the shit talking he did in his book too. I mean, you know, about Mick, it's like wow. This, but see, I like that at least they they're still doing it. Like Keith can, I mean, he did a solo album, I think around twenty fourteen ish, maybe twenty thirteen. And he was playing theaters, like 3,000 seat theaters, and that's fine. But because he can also play with the Rolling Stones, he knows where his bread's buttered, so he's going to go on tour with the boys and put up with Mick and whatever else he has to deal with because he knows that's it. So the fact that they can make it work, despite having whatever it is that's between them, they they do it anyway.
1: Yeah, and I don't think it's... I also didn't get the vibe. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I talked to these guys for five minutes, you know, but I didn't get the impression that it was all bad all the time either. But I also you wonder. Know, I think the. I think, I think the. You know, like maybe there's tension, but also maybe that's part of the chemistry.
0: Well, they've also known you each know, other the, for their whole lives and been right. famous their whole lives. There may also be a bit of ribbing, like you do with your friends you grew up with, where it's like, mm, you know, where you kind of play it up a little bit. Because you're just yeah, busting exactly. their balls,
1: and then right, and you know how am I like maybe there's are different characters too? Who knows? Yeah, because it's also, I mean, you listen, you listen to the tunes, and it's it surely you don't, surely you don't come up with all those songs just with everybody with everything being peachy keen all the time. It's just not what it sounds like. Right? I mean, that's not what that's not what life is like. Period. No matter
0: who you're with. Yeah, you're gonna butt heads with anybody in any group, your coworkers, yeah. people in bands. Whoever, your family, everybody butts heads with each other because. Exactly. It
1: is, but yeah, it is like a family.
0: Yeah. So now you're, you're going to have your days where you're like, Ugh. and there are probably days that they get along great. And it uh, may yeah. also be, I wonder if it's because, because Keith is definitely not, not as dumb as I think he likes to come off. I think he likes to play it up a little bit as being aloof, but he may take the. Uh,
1: Takes a smart, takes a smart person to play somebody dumb.
0: Exactly, and I think maybe he might be trying to play up the lore a little bit about, oh, Mick, I don't like that guy. But even just growling quietly to somebody and thinking like, you know, we <laughs> listen, we got to, we got to perpetuate this, we got to keep the stories going and make it think there is something here. I'm not saying that's what it is. Maybe it, it does come from a from a genuine place. Maybe he just doesn't get along with the dude. But there's a little part of me that thinks Keith Richards is a smart guy. You know, it's it's Keith's band and mix just the singer. Uh, as far as Keith's concerned, so maybe there's a little part of them. that's like, oh, that guy again. That's I just mean, my theory.
1: I'll never, I'll never know for sure.
0: Yeah, nobody will. That's part I mean, of the I
1: mystique. Don't, I don't even think. I don't think I even want to know for sure. It's, it's also one of those things where, okay, if there's an element of it that isn't act, and it's acted for so long, and this is their lives, at what point is like, what's real and what's not at that point? Who's to say?
0: That's true. They could be caught in character. He could be like a method actor where he's been in character for so long, he doesn't know how to get out. As part of I mean,
1: the, that's what that that's what they are. They they are the Rolling Stones.
0: They are, and they've been at their. That's the other thing. It's got to be such a head trip. They've been famous their whole lives. They've been famous since they were teenagers. So
1: that's that. That's insane. That's, yeah, that's completely. Can insane. you?
0: I I can't imagine that, and that's why they're they're also so rare, and that they've been. I mean, what was that? Sixty two. They got together. So I mean, to have been together this long and to still do it. I mean, it's got to be so far yeah, removed from any reality. Like, they kind of. Uh, like they
1: were a huge band before bands played in arenas. Oh yeah, a, as a club band. They were when huge. they figured out when they figured out how to put bands in arenas. Who can fill an arena? The Rolling Stones can. And now they're now they're playing these big places, and they are like, oh my god, now we need some more songs to fill out. like That's kind of where arena rock came from.
0: Man, what a, what a crazy surreal experience to fly. Listen, the Rolling Stones want you to open for them. Okay. <laughs> I mean, ner- again, <laughs> right. yeah, exciting yeah. or nerve-wracking? There has to be a party that's like, Jesus, this is going to be... the. I mean, festivals aside, was that the, the biggest crowd you'd played to that was just there to see the show you were playing in as much as they were there to oh, see man. the headliner?
1: Like, so... Okay, so, like, not a... So not a festival?
0: Right, yeah, festivals get, you know, 200,000 like people. I
1: mean, even, honestly, I don't, I don't even... Man, I don't know. I haven't, I haven't done the math, but it was definitely... If it wasn't the biggest, it was definitely in the runnings. And I will say this. It was very cool being in Warsaw for that. Because one thing I've noticed with the big, big X is it could be the Rolling Stones in Warsaw. It could be the Red Hot Chili Peppers in Omaha. It could be the Foo Fighters in Krakow, Poland. These were all bands we've opened for in those cities and the places where bands don't always come, you know, everybody's going to go play New York. Everybody's going to go play Paris. Everybody's going to go play Los
0: Angeles. Totally.
1: The places where the big tours don't always come through.
0: Right. The underserved markets. Right. The people who don't get to go see a show every week.
1: Those people are going to, those people are going to be in their seat at seven o'clock ready to rock.
0: Yeah. That's the 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 thing to do. We experienced
1: it in, we experienced it in Omaha, Nebraska, with the Chili Peppers. We experienced it with the Foo Fighters in Krakow, and I knew that it was going to be like that with the Stones too, and I was right. I was right about that. You know, we walked, we walked on stage, and like it was this huge soccer stadium, and I mean, there was not an empty seat in the house, and it's you know seven thirty at night.
0: That Actually, it
1: was the summer in Poland, so 7.30 at night still pretty much looks like daytime.
0: Oh, so you could see literally everybody, just a sea of people that's is, yes. stretched yeah. out probably past your vantage point. <laughs> <laughs> it was awesome. No, for sure. That's got to be, I mean, I, again, I, I can't even imagine, but just to have had that experience is crazy. And the Rolling Stones know who you are. I mean, they may not know your name, but they're like, oh, we played with those guys. That's something you got that a lot of people don't necessarily have.
1: Yeah. yeah, that was a special one for sure.
0: Is there a country that you'd say is the one you've had the most fun playing in? I mean, it's definitely visiting is one thing. Well, hard to pick a favorite, but what crowds do you think are the best crowds to play for since you've been basically all around the world?
1: Oh, man. Well, in terms of in, in the in recent years, France has really has really shown up for us. Really? In recent years, yeah. France is great. Um, I also love Japan and I also love Brazil. Yes. And also I gotta, I gotta, I gotta give Italy some love on that too, though. I've not played in Italy as much as I've played in some other places, but there have been times where we play there and it's just been awesome.
0: Is there something you found that's different about playing in, say, obviously every crowd, you know, depending on the tour and the show is going to be different? Mm -hmm but playing in a venue like the Hollywood bowl or Madison square garden compared to playing in Louisville or Denver or Houston, you know, are, from other places, are you noticing that the crowds are just crowds or do you feel like there's definitely a different energy with the bigger venues, you know, m- the more popular venues, like the, uh, bowl the, the energy,
1: garden? the energy is different with the bigger, with the bigger venues. And it's, To play in Madison Square Garden, I've only ever done that when we opened up for the Chili Peppers. And so that was a great show, and it was a great experience, although everybody there is kind of there for the They they would have been there regardless. So I think it would kind of equate a little more if just a crowd in a place we would normally play in New York versus a crowd we would normally play in Houston. I feel like when we first started touring New York and San Francisco... Were kind of two areas where I felt like we caught on a little faster than in the rest of the country.
0: So those are shows where everybody's into it. People show up. We kind of. We,
1: yeah. People show, and you know, there's there's a strong. Both those cities have a big music scene, and both those cities kind of have uh, there's an appreciation for New Orleans music there. And so we kind of when we first started touring. New York popped off. San Francisco pops off. Colorado, they like live music. In that that kind of was next. You know, now now we've been very fortunate, and the uh, the thing has grown a bit. And so I'll feel that same energy in many different places. Houston's always kind of been exciting for us because there's a lot of it's it's right it's five hours away, which for New Orleans is close. Right. Yeah. There's not, there's not a lot of big cities that close to where we are geographically, but Houston and also Atlanta, those shows are always fun because since Katrina, there have been a lot of people that relocated to either one of those places. And so a lot of those people will come to this show who have some kind of connection or are literally from New Orleans. And I think they kind of, they kind of feel it a little more deeply because they have this connection, this home connection, this cultural connection right. that is unique to them. And so Atlanta and Houston are particularly fun for those reasons.
0: Right, there's a bond. It's like extended family. There's a bond. There's a bond.
1: Yeah, and also and also for the people that are there, that aren't, I mean, they're there for, for all intents and purposes, they're kind of our neighbors as far as big cities are concerned.
0: Now one thing I, I do want to know, things have evolved as far as music, the music business, the way we purchase or consume music. A lot in the time that you've been at this professionally over the last 15 years. As a working musician, how has that changed from record sales to digital downloads to streaming to the resurgence of vinyl to touring being a more integral part of artist income? How have all these changes affected you as a working schmo?
1: man for for me the you know for me the touring has kind of been the the bread and butter there might be a little here or a little there as far as the other stuff goes but it has been interesting to watch the evolution you know i've also seen regime changes at various record labels happen very quickly that's been kind of you know that, that's always that's that's kind of amusing <laughs> you know it's like you know, one guy comes in. He brings in all his boys, and they're like, "We're gonna do this, 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 this." And then, okay, we're gonna sell CDs. Got it. And then next thing you know, like those guys aren't there anymore. It's a new set of guys. And who knows? I remember for for a short while, I remember download cards were a thing. Oh yeah, <laughs> for, like, <laughs> for like for like, for like a summer.
0: Yeah, yeah, the download card, giving out the download card. You know, card. It
1: was like, oh yeah, you know, here's the take this thing, and then you go and. Type the code in, and the, but I mean, what, you know, what's the streaming thing? But I feel like way before I was even playing professionally, I remember seeing Napster and Audio Galaxy and things like that coming out, and just thinking like, well, this is, I mean, this is obviously it. You know, you, there's everything I can think of is on here.
0: Right. The like availability
1: is be a thing. And then, then when like you could put it all on an iPod, then you can put it all on your phone, and it's like, oh wow, I mean, this is. I think we're going to be streaming for a while And let me tell you what I also, you know I, I, Man
0: (laughs) I wish I knew what the next thing was going to be Yeah, who would have predicted vinyl was going to be making Some kind of comeback, the least convenient format Because you can't play it in your car And It doesn't travel as well as like a CD Or even a cassette But yet, vinyl is back in And vinyl sales are up, go figure I don't know that anybody would have necessarily predicted that and CDs are uncool. Yeah, go figure. And CDs are uncool. They're still my preferred format, but people are like, yeah, no, man, no, we don't, we don't buy CDs. We buy vinyl. Okay. I always feel like it's, th- there was a point where, particularly for kids who grew up in the early 2000s with the iPod, that there was this sense of everything's available on this device. So when, whether it was someone in their family or in their household or whatever, they got a hold of a record, they thought, wow, music's on records now? and they had a tangible thing as opposed to a device that was just an all-in-one for all sure. media. I think there was a bit of an attachment to the album. That's the one thing I will say about the the uh, resurgence of vinyl. That's
1: the that's the thing. And there there's
0: cuz there's, there's that, also, that tangible experience. There's
1: also an art to curating a collection.
0: Oh yeah, cuz anybody can have Spotify and just listen to whatever. Yeah. You know
1: I, man, you know you know what I like. You know what I really like that you don't see you don't see a lot of anymore but there's a couple there's a couple bars near me in new orleans you know back you know back when uh back when we could go to bars when going out was uh, a thing yeah yeah back, back when that existed you know a long time ago in march but the old school i mean not not super old school but the non digital jukeboxes oh yeah i like that a lot i like that a lot there's a couple places where I like going in there and they have a bunch of albums in there and you put in five bucks or whatever and you choose from this group of albums the songs that you're going to play. I like that. I don't like going up to the digital thing. It's like, here's every song in the world.
0: Right. ah,
1: This this is not as as fun for me. Yeah, and if you want a deep cut,
0: it's going to cost twice as much, but you can still play whatever deep cuts you want instead of we have these seven-inch singles, you got two songs on each one, and we have this yeah, many of them. Yeah, or even
1: if it's just, hey, I mean,
0: there could be there's 50 CDs, and you know, there's, uh... Yeah, CDs, too. A CD jukebox. Or
1: whatever, sure. whatever's in there. I like, I kind of, like, I still I still have a lot of respect for a well-curated jukebox. Yeah, I agree with that. And I, th- I think the vinyl, I think the, uh... You know, I think if you're collecting records, you know, whether consciously, subconsciously, on some level, you're thinking about that.
0: Yeah, I like having a CD. I have over 3,000 CDs, and I like having a collection. I'm not just going to switch oh, over.
1: wow. And, that's, that's impressive, man. I've I've lost so many. I mean, the vast majority of my CDs. Not that I have a CD player right now, anyway.
0: Mm, well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. I bring CDs home, and I'll rip them onto the computer, put them on my iPod, and I still will have the physical CDs, so my go-to is still, I, I need a dedicated device for music, so I still have an iPod that I use to bring in the car and everything, because I don't want to just constantly drain my phone battery. But, yeah, and right, if I listen right. to it, I'm listening to it through the TV soundbar in the living room, through the Bluetooth on the iPod. So I'm not necessarily popping in a CD, really, but I do that in the car. I've actually gotten the habit, I, I picked it up from my girlfriend. When she would get a new album, she would just put it in her CD player in her car and listen to it until she felt like she had enough. But she would kind of just listen to that album, and I thought, yeah, I really don't spend the time sitting and listening to... An album, so I did take a page out of her book. Yeah, and-
1: that's cool. I mean, that's also I do that. I do that still, not all the time, but I still do it when there's something I want to check out. But I definitely, I definitely think I am uh, in the minority of people that actually do that still.
0: Yeah. Oh, but, for sure.
1: Um, but it is, it is cool. Also, it's I mean, it's cool that you do have all the CDs though. That's pretty like three thousand. That's all. Are they are they alphabetized?
0: Yes. Alphabetized by artists. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. And the single that, that's actually pretty cool. <laughs> the singles are alphabetized separately. Uh the box sets are separate. Albums are just A to Z. Uh I think the number nice. Yeah, the numbers are at the end. If any band's name begins with a number, they're after Z. But yeah.
1: After Z, not before. I like that.
0: Yeah, I don't know why. I think I just ended up that way. Well, once upon a time I had eighty CDs, and I had to figure out some kind of system and then it just blew up after uh what's now a lifetime of just buying cds for the last (laughs) you're like
1: like, where am i putting 311 yeah that's it uh,
0: they're sorry you guys are going at the end behind three inches of blood okay there we go now i know what i'm doing (laughs)
1: oh that's great
0: i i do like it because there is a lot of stuff you know with streaming rights that's the funny thing and i've talked about this with people like oh don't you feel stupid for buying all those cds a lot of people same with you know dvds and blu-rays oh man don't you feel like that was a waste of money no, not at all, because I'm not at the mercy of licensing deals, and I don't need to worry about if stuff's available. I already know I own it, so I'm covered. I don't need to worry if something drops yeah, off. Yeah, yeah,
1: you got, you know, you got the thing, you got the thing, you know, the band got a few bucks, hopefully, like, you know. Yeah, that's it. That's, that's that, cool. That's and the you whole... have a curated collection. That is cool.
0: That's right. Yeah, so, I, look, I literally just last week bought the, on last Friday, a week ago, I got the new Joe Satriani album, because I thought, okay, I want to get this stores are closed. Well, at least I can order it through Amazon and get the digital download right away and I'll get the CD whenever. The CD did show up the other day, but I didn't expect it was going to ship until like next month. But I'm still like an album's coming out, got to buy it. Got to buy it the week it comes out. It's going to make a difference. If it's going to sell and if it's going to chart. Wow, wow. That's cool, I'm buying that's it.
1: Cool man. I mean shit. I don't think I've done that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm I realize I'm in the vast minority. Like by a huge margin I'm in the in the minority. Of people who still do that, but that's just me. I'm a fan. I want to make sure I'm getting. So- and selfishly, I just want it. I want it right away. Yeah, I could stream it, but for me, it's not really the same. So hey. I'm, a, I'm a weirdo. What can I say?
1: That's um, great. I'm sure. I mean, I'm sure Joe Satriani appreciates
0: that. I hope so. Well, listen. Here's hoping. Not all of the albums are selling. He may have a number one album by uh <laughs> by the end of the week. Like <laughs> nobody's buying great. albums. Everybody. That's another thing. Everybody pushed back their album releases. So. Oh, my, like, yeah, yeah, well, because, yeah, who, yeah, but besides you, who's buying yeah, it? Yeah, exactly, who's going to go out and buy it? <laughs>
1: like, but also, yeah, and then who's going to, uh, you know, you put it out and there's some buzz and maybe you'll sell more tickets, but you can't sell said tickets.
0: And, yeah, there's no tour to support anything, so why even put it out now?
1: Yeah, and, and got you got to figure that everybody involved with this, not just the artists, but, you know the promoters, the guys in the venues—they're like, no, 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 no! Like we want—if you're coming, we want it to be full, and we can't. Do, I mean, it's—it's it's crazy. It's crazy how it affects just every aspect
0: of it. It does. Every link in the chain is is affected right now. Every
1: link in the chain.
0: It's wild. Well, Pete, we've gotten this far, so now you could be subjected to the quarantine questionnaire. All right. A bunch of questions, random, annoying. Uh, Maybe even some of them are thinkers, but here we go. If you could have one meal in one restaurant, what would the meal be and what would the restaurant be?
1: I would go get the Blackened Catfish at Cafe Amelie's, which is a restaurant pretty close to where I live. I could walk there from here, and I've been going there for, man, almost a decade. I've been going there. They uh they make great food, it's a great vibe, and I like that place so I love the guys that run it, everybody that works there is cool, and man, like besides great food, I just go I could go out there and hang out. It's that cool place. So shout out to Cafe Almies. Black and cafe Sandwich for me. And Jerry's gumbo.
0: Taking weight gain and other health risks out of the equation, what five foods would you want to live on while being self quarantined?
1: Okay, five things. I haven't had it in a while, but a good old-fashioned gravy. The way my grandmother, your what, great aunt? Is that how that works?
0: Uh Aunt. She's aunt, yeah. Aunt.
1: Just straight up aunt. Sorry, grandma. That's right, I mean, look, more like a but grandmother way, to me
0: than my mother's mother, the so. Way,
1: the way, just gravy, the way Angelina would make it, with, with pork neck bones in there.
0: What some These would call sausage. sauce, but those people are incorrect. Just to be clear, <laughs> we're talking about tomato uh,
1: gravy. We're talking about two factors here. One is the tomatoes, and one is the meat that flavors the tomatoes. That's right. That's what makes it gravy. You tell them. Right? Right. That, that's that's what it is. That's what it is. Look, man, you want to open up a can of tomatoes and pour it in a pan with a little olive oil and a little garlic, great. You got yourself some marinara sauce. I'm not mad at you. But when you start introducing the other shit into the equation, your meatballs, you start, when you start introducing your meatballs, your pork neck bones, whatever it is that you throw in there, whatever it is your grandma throw in there, that, that is gravy at its finest. Facts.
0: Agreed. That's number one.
1: That's number one. we got four more? Okay. I really like tri-tip. I can't always find it, but I really like tri-tip. It is a cut of... uh a beef that's kind of from, I believe it's from like the, it's like the top end of the sirloin maybe. It's weird shaped and you can't, you don't want to cook it super, super, super rare, which I like. I mean, I like super rare, but there's a little bit of fat going through there. You, know, you just want to melt, but you don't want to overdo it either because then it'll get tough, but it's a really good cut of meat when cooked right. And it is, uh, Cost effective. That's why I love it so much. And you get, you get a lot of bang for your buck out of that. So that's another one. What else are we living on? Fresh seafood. I can't always get, I can't, you know, I can't, uh, a friend of mine, shout out to Mark Starring, a friend of mine went fishing recently and gave me some fish that he caught that day. And I made, I made ceviche. I made a couple other things with it, but that, that was really, I mean, fresh fish, like just swimming around. That would be good. I mean, that's just not. I'm not getting fresh fish every day, but that's not what the question is, really, right?
0: I mean, we're talking hypotheticals here. If you if if you had or your no, way.
1: we're talking like we're talking like five things. You got to get your five things. All right, gravy, try to. fresh fish, good crawfish. Mm, a good staple. Crawfish. A staple. It is, down it is crawfish season, and I've had crawfish a few times this year. You know, a crawfish boil in New Orleans is kind of a eating crawfish is not just a. It's an event. It's an event. You know, people generally boil it in large quantity, and it's all spread out over the table, and you're hanging with your friends and everything. And that's that's kind of where the best crawfish is to be had. Um, you can also get it in smaller portions. You know, there's, there's definitely places where you can do that. And I've had it a few times this year, but just like not as many times as I normally would have because of this whole quarantine business. So that's another one. And then the fourth one.
0: That would be five, actually. You got one more. That would, that oh, would yeah, be the fourth. That
1: was, that was the fourth one. The fourth yeah. one's crawfish. Hey, man, I got a big appetite. You know, I might slide in six <laughs> things
0: on you. Well, for everybody who <laughs> doesn't they- know, you need to be following Pete Morano on Instagram because he's cooking all the time. Frankly, he's putting me to shame and making me insecure in my role in my relationship because the stuff he's cooking on basically a daily basis. It's so elaborate, looks so delicious that I keep telling my girlfriend she picked the wrong family member to to hook up with because
1: ah, but that's the, no, he's no, no, killing that's it. No, that's not the whole thing, man. That's the whole thing, though. 90% of what I'm doing on there, you can do. A lot of the stuff, is that my whole thing is, look, sometimes I'll get a little, like when my friend caught the fish. Okay, that's a special occasion. Or sometimes, you know, I might want to be supporting a local business and I'll get something that I couldn't get just anywhere there. But like that, that's once in a while. Most of the time, my whole thing is I'm cooking stuff without any fancy equipment that you yourself could do at home. And it's not going to break the bank either. That's why tri-tip is on the list and not like ribeye. But anyway,
0: yeah, your last, speaking
1: of cooking, the, okay, this, this last one, oh man, this is good produce. Uh, is that a cop out? I don't want to cop out on you.
0: No, not at all. But when I
1: when when I say when I say good produce I'm the type of guy that when I go to the store, I'm just kinda first of all, I'm looking at what's on sale. You hear that mom? And second of all, it's just, you know, what's looking good. And we'll more often than not, I'm not going to the grocery store being like, Oh my god, I really want to get some uh peppers or whatever. It's more I'm going to see like what is bountiful. And I'll make that work. But if I had to get if I had to get more specific, good eggplants, good grapefruits, stuff like that. Depending on how long this quarantine lasts. Like if we change seasons, the produce is going to change with it. This is true.
0: Hopefully. Now I realize you're you're spoken for. You're very happily in a in a committed relationship. But if you can be quarantined oh, yeah. with two celebrities, one male, one female, who do you choose?
1: So male quarantine? I got some more questions for Keith Richards.
0: That would be an exciting quarantine, wouldn't it? Being trapped in the house of Keith Richards.
1: Yeah, yeah, and also like, you know, maybe we could use one of his
0: huge houses. You know what? That's good thinking. That is really smart. Nobody's come up with that yet.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. like you know, maybe one of the, like the, you know, maybe one of the oceanfront ones if that exists. I'm sure it does.
0: He's probably <laughs> he's probably got a pay, place in like Ibiza or uh, in Turks and Caicos or something like that. I'm sure he's got a nice place. Yeah, whatever,
1: you know, hey, I'm not picky, I'm not picky, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Just one of those Just things. on the and water then, somewhere. Uh, and then female. Hmm, you haven't gotten this one yet, but I got some questions for Leah Remini.
0: That is another interesting one, too. That's
1: another interesting one. I want to I wanna hear, I, lo- I love the Scientology show.
0: Uh, now, granted, this question might be moot, because you've been all around the world, but Uh, maybe even more so relevant, so we'll see. But if exposure to the virus weren't a factor, what place would you like to have visited before the pandemic? A city, a country, a theme park, an event, whatever?
1: Man, I've been thinking about Italy a lot. I've been there, I've been there a few times, but I've definitely liked to have gone there again, especially knowing what I know now.
0: Yeah, who knows when it's going to open up again. Did you see the thing on Twitter with the Italian mayors? Oh, God, that's uh, that seems to be everybody's favorite part. I mean, sorry to say everything that's happening over there, but that's amazing. Them telling off. No, it's (laughs)
1: absolutely, it's So A friend of mine mine said that to him, like, you should just start doing this in New Orleans.
0: Oh, dude. Well, I will say, it explains a lot of our family, doesn't it? That this is the stock we come from. It does make a lot of sense now.
1: Oh, yeah, it sure does.
0: (laughs) So what are you getting the haircut for? Yeah, right. <laughs> for, the, for, the, for the casket, you want to look <laughs> in your casket. <laughs> like. Okay, lots of artists are doing living room concerts and streaming them. What artist or band would you like to see do a stripped down acoustic living room performance?
1: Radiohead. Like let's hear let's hear the bare the bare bones of some of those tunes
0: If you could be a woman for a day, what would you do?
1: Oh man, nothing appropriate. <laughs> I mean, it's not—it's not like you even have a choice. You'd be like, "What? What are these?"
0: If you ever released a cologne, what would you call it, and what would it smell like? Hmm. If I ever re- released a
1: cologne, it would be called Insatiable.
0: What would it smell like? Catfish. Gravy. No, it would smell like.
1: Uh, eh, it would smell like olive oil with some herbs in it, probably.
0: If the quarantine lasts for months and there's a meat shortage and your only option was to catch and kill birds and squirrels, what methods would you use? Birds and squirrels? Hmm. Do they have birds and squirrels down there?
1: They have birds and squirrels.
0: Okay. Man, that's a tough
1: one. I mean, most people I know who kill birds and eat them, just shoot them. But I would make me a bow and arrow.
0: What do you put on first, pants or socks? Oh,
1: pants. What are you insane?
0: Apparently, I put on socks first.
1: <laughs> crazy, just. Although I'm kind of, you know, I I I'm I'm barefoot if I'm walking around the house. I don't even really like socks, so the socks are kind of for me. It's, the socks are going on right before the shoes, honestly.
0: Huh? Yeah. See, when I walk around the house, like for the last month, uh, it's just been boxers, socks, and a T-shirt. <laughs> right. I know. Sounds uh, crazy.
1: So boxers and socks. That's that's the uniform
0: mostly. If you transition to a female, what would you change your name to?
1: Oh man. What's the female version of my name? I don't even know. That's just what I would do, I think.
0: No, I don't think so. I can't think of a female Petra, uh... is that a thing? Petra? Yeah, Petra's like a name.
1: I don't, I don't even I don't even like that though. That's not even that
0: that's not even
1: that cool. I don't know. We'll go with that though. We'll go with that. That's hard hitting questions right there.
0: No, well you think that's hard hitting, then just wait for this one. If you could have sex with a cartoon character other than Jessica Rabbit, who would it be?
1: Oh, come on. Other than Jessica
0: Rabbit, <laughs> every guy would pick Jessica Rabbit. That's, that
1: was very yeah. That's what everybody would
0: say. Of course. Okay, let Listen, me think about this. Some of these need of to be thinkers. Of, um,
1: uh, Lois from Family Guy.
0: Ah, first time anyone's given that. What, is mother, what are some What are some popular answers for that? Uh Amy and Lila from Futurama. Uh, two guys picked Lola Bunny from Space Jam. Uh, yeah. Oh, else? you know
1: what else though. See, I want to be appropriate here though.
0: We're talking about sex with a cartoon character. What's appropriate? I'm just saying,
1: like, you know, is the human version of Little Mermaid. She's
0: like twenty, right? Uh well she was sixteen in the movie, but the movie was thirty years ago, so at this point she's middle aged.
1: <laughs> All right, we'll split the difference. I right? mean, if
0: we're do if we're doing perfect world, if I can make you sixteen year old Prince Peter, then sure. Then if you want to choose <laughs> you wanna choose Ariel, she's yours. I'm just being oh, inappropriate. Cool. Is
1: then, what is. I'm going to be a cartoon character. and go play
0: in the Rolling Stones. Oh, yeah. You could be on The Simpsons when the Rolling Stones were on. That's the move. Yeah. Because then yeah. you best of both worlds, real world and animated world. Your house is on fire and your girlfriend's able to get out safely, but you only have time to grab two guitars. What two do you grab?
1: I would get my Red Les Paul, the one that I'm vast, vast majority of the time seen on stage with. I would get that one just because that's uh that's a loyal soldier right there. We've been through a lot together. So I would grab him. And the next one, I'd probably grab my Strat, my $400 Mexican Stratocaster, <laughs> just because he was there in the beginning of all this, too. He's a survivor.
0: And finally, if there were a Mount Rushmore for guitar players, what four faces would be on it?
1: Jimi Hendrix, obviously. Bloody Guy charlie christian the oft overlooks charlie christian responsible for a lot of stuff though so Jimi hendrix buddy guy charlie christian and bb king
0: all right pete you've completed our quarantine questionnaire congratulations you've won absolutely nothing there's no reward there's no prize there's just it was a chance to kill time on a podcast
1: hey time killed
0: all right we're just about done so is there anything you want to promote where can people follow you online Check me
1: out on Instagram. I'm at Pete Moreno. You will see a lot of music stuff on there. You'll also see a lot of food stuff on there. So welcome to Pete's Kitchen. We'll get some food and we'll some tunes.
0: And you'll learn how to cook stuff, too. That's the important part. Step by step on how to improve your quarantine kitchen. Personally recommended by me. So there's that.
1: There you go. There you go. I better see you in the DMs, Chris.
0: Oh, believe me. My girlfriend's watching intently. So we're we're seeing it all and more and it's, it's hey, gonna,
1: from what I from, what she, from what I can see she's not slouch either though no she's I saw that plate I saw that plate on Easter it looked good
0: you and your brother Mike inspired her she's like I'm gonna start documenting this she's even recorded a bunch she hasn't posted yet so we'll probably end up getting some uh, some more oh, good she again, has some her. in the can already that's great she does yeah well you know what it is we get we get down to eating. So she doesn't want to sit and have to make stories out of everything or, like, trim the videos or oh, whatever? Totally. So I'm fit. saying,
1: well, yeah, when the food, that's the, that's the worst time to do. I mean, you, <laughs> you spend all this time on the thing and the food is getting cold. Yeah, I know I do the same thing, man. Man, sometimes getting everybody to sit down and eat is harder than the actual cooking because nobody wants to go first. Well, that's it. And it's, it's like, like ah, it's like my, this, this food that I've put love into is getting cold. Like, break the ice. Yeah, and I'm not going first because I cooked it. Like that's <laughs> how this
0: works. That's it. Yeah, I always need to start eating first when when she cooks. Like, well, go ahead eat. I'm like, you're not even sitting down yet. I don't care. Eat. I just cooked it.
1: It's not, yeah. It's not the point, man. Oh, man, you you better listen to her.
0: Yeah. No, I do. Believe <laughs> me. I'm always hungry by the time because it's taken longer because she's got to. You know, we need footage of everything first. But then it's a matter of my followers want to see what I've been making, but at the same time, I'm just regular hungry, so. What's it going to be? But no, I always end up getting first crack at it. But yes, follow Pete's Instagram for sure. And you can follow me at Chris Abalo on Twitter and at Chris Sells Out on Instagram. And follow the show at Kate Pod on Twitter and Instagram. And of course, the show will be back on Monday with an all new episode. So until next time, for Pete Morano, this is Chris Abalo. And this was yet another experiment. It's it. Shows over. Good night, Springton. There will be no on calls.